0: Hi guys, this is Sarah, and this is Katrina Jo, and And we're we're the the Feds. Feds. FedWork is the modern day background check, and we encourage people to feed Empowerment Daily. And And you're you're now now listening listening to to FedWork. FedWork. Hey guys, welcome to FedWork. I'm Katrina Jo. And Sarah. And we are here with another episode of the Hennessy Never Stop, Never Settle Society Special Edition Series. And we have a very special guest george from listen to me hi george
1: hey what's happening y'all hey.
0: Hey, how's it going
1: it's going really 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 well and i'm the type of person that's honest if it wasn't going well i'd tell you all <laughs> So when i say okay. it i really mean they are going very well
0: hey honestly we're <laughs> here for all the honesty <laughs> um i hear you have a nickname george 2.0 is that I do- correct
1: that is correct. Yeah. I um actually I am the only child of Ruby and George 1.0. Um, and so I had an opportunity to actually name my father retroactively because you know my friends started calling me 2.0. So of course they called him 1.0. He thinks it's the coolest thing <laughs> And It kind of is. Um, but it was born out of you know the, the web 2.0.com bubble kind of space where uh there was sort of an algorithm or a chart to the, to the people that i was able to meet and the things i was able to do constantly reinventing constantly adding on constantly adding another tool to the tool belt and so 2.0 kind of worked growing up i was really big on saying my full name i'm george a peters the second george a peters the second and if it didn't have the second that's my father it's a different person you know yeah. um somewhere around the time when i uh, i was getting into studio life and we were filling out you know the little the titles and the avatars for your you know, for your, your profile uh, within the Studio Network Hub. And George A. Peters II just didn't fit. And I was like, wait, what do I do? <laughs> like, I always George A. <laughs> Peters II. Like, this isn't me. And um, one, of the, uh, one of the producers in there, my brother, actually, my brother-in-law was actually like, try 2.0. And I was like, that's cool. So I like it. Kind it. Of stuff. Yeah, so there's, there's kind of like, you know, nicknames that have kind of broken off of that. You know, I hear two, Toop. Toupe, which is a reference to my ponytail. Nice,
0: nice. I mean, Uh, it flows. It kind (laughs) of rolls, you know? (laughs) I love it. Well, can you tell us about yourself, a little bit about your background and and where you come from?
1: Yeah, sure. So as I said, I am an only child. um, And I think that that informed my ability to uh, use my imagination to spend time uh, alone to really, really craft a lot of the projects that I find myself working on now, even professionally, I was born right outside of Philadelphia. Uh, I was the kid in South Jersey that was eating cheesesteaks and <laughs> soft off pretzels, um, going to Eagles games with my pop-up um, and really kind of building my culture out of that town. You know, our major radio station was from there, all of our sports teams, et cetera. It was the city for the, you know, for the South Jersey area. And so a lot of that is, you know, family oriented, whether it's family you create um I can think of you know my homeboy Cliff who I grew up with down the street who can go into my mom's refrigerator right now and open it up as though he was born from her um, <laughs> and I can think of people that were in you know the, the cleaners and the barbershop and the supermarkets it was a really really friendly kind of area and I think because of that you know a lot of the neighbors in the, in in the hood started to entrust a lot of us with our entrepreneurial efforts right whether that was um, asking Miss Florence next door who had an electric lawnmower, whether or not I could cut her grass for $20. So here I am whipping this extension cord back and forth across her lawn. And then that leading to other efforts, you know, around the around the, the neighborhood, or whether it was raking leaves or whether it was, you know, making something. It was always sort of a, hey, what can you do? There was people were really, really invested in each other. And I think that had a lot to do with who I would end up taking to Morehouse College in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, at the time, uh, as a high school student, I was doing like a lot of different things. I was hanging out in the media room. I was making my own videos. As a matter of fact, I, um, I submitted a video as the major portion of my college application to Morehouse College, much wow. to the chagrin wow. of my mother, who was a professor in Philadelphia higher education. I could have gone to Cheney or Temple or Drexel, any of those schools for free, but I only applied to Morehouse and I only sent in a video. Absurd. Um, but it worked (laughs) coming from my community, you know, and, and it was a predominantly white community. So there was a fly in the bowl of milk kind of thing. And I thought that some of the things that made me unique, um, would sustain me throughout the rest of my journey until I went to Morehouse and I found out that there were peers of mine who had that same thing. They also sent in tapes. They also were entrepreneurs. They also were, you know, dot, dot, dot. So, Really going down there was the beginning of the rest of, of my legacy. And I didn't know it at the time. But in terms of my background, you know, I'm excited about the idea that every time I speak about my background, there's more to add to it because of the collaborations that I've been blessed enough to, to have had professionally.
0: I love that. You've had yeah. this entrepreneur spirit since you were young on the hustle around the community.
1: <laughs> I had to. I mean, I it snowed it. It. you can make, make four or five hundred dollars on a snow day.
0: Right, just for, You know, eat, going to household to household. You're 13 year <laughs> Come on. It's great. I That's love awesome. this. I love this. So yeah. from Morehouse, you know, in your college experience and in just growing up, you know, like when did you realize that you wanted to kind of take that turn into starting your own company?
1: Yeah, no, I... It's interesting because I I think I also knew that I was not going to be able to work for someone else for too long. Um, And I I know that's kind of a different way of explaining how I wanted to start my own company, but it kind of, you know, that's how it clicked for me. It was more like the other thing didn't click for me. You know, Um, (laughs) you sit in the middle of the car and you're trying to put the side seatbelt in. It just doesn't go in the buckle as many times as you try. (laughs) It was that kind of feeling, you know. I I I did all the normal things that, that people trying to get into the entertainment industry did. You know, I was bussing tables. Um, I called myself a consumption facilitator because it. I don't know. I thought that would matter, right? But uh, <laughs> but I, you know, I did. I, I waited tables. I bussed tables. You know, I I, I folded chinos at, at J Crew. And and matter of fact, I can remember sitting in a dressing room in J Crew where I worked and. I wasn't working. I was trying to catch a nap, you know, because I had been up all night the night before doing the things that I thought I was really supposed to be doing. Yeah. Um, so that kind of spirit, that kind of desire to, to use my time as much as I could for the things I really needed to be doing was only impeded by having to do other things. And that's kind of what lent to being like, you know what, I, I need to actually really give this a shot, You know, I need to actually know whether or not I would have failed if I tried. Um, And Morehouse had a lot to do with that. You know, I I met um, two brothers, Chuck and Nate, who would go on to be um, the part of a trio that formed a record company that asked me to go on tour and stage manage with them. And I just found myself like just really just trying to pull different portions of who I was and who I'd been growing up and coming through Morehouse, being a performer myself and use them to, to really, you know, to really figure out what it would mean to be the person that anyone in a production could go to for help or assistance or advice or, or even just taste, you know, and, and when those things started to become successful, you know, when I found myself on stage in, in Rio, opening up, you know, 50,000 people and running backstage to also start the visuals and cueing the background dancers and talking to the artists and having managed to crew the whole day and knowing where the LED wall was supposed to go and realizing that regardless of the language barrier, everyone at some point had to listen to me. Like to the yes. t- what to I, got,
2: I just got goosebumps. I did too. I was like, I, I see, see where you going.
1: That's really, you know, it just, it was just a wonderful kind of, kind of runway into starting this company.
0: I love this. So like, was that the moment for you where you were like, okay, this is now going to be, you know, my thing. This is where my passion was. Like, was it, was it the nap in J crew? That was (laughs) like, I'm supposed to be doing something else. Or was it Rio? You're on stage you know, arena full of fans that you're like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Like what was that moment for you?
1: Yeah, you know, it's I mean, it's interesting when I start when I identify the moment, it really was a confluence of things, you know. I think um I think one of the most interesting things about my journey was that everything that I had been doing leading up to it was going to be something I was going to need to start the company. So, you know, even being in J Crew, right? There were elements of that that I just obviously couldn't stand, but there was, there was interaction. There was actual, having never been in a corporate setting, right. right, There was interaction. There was um, accountability. There was bookkeeping. There was, you know, there were things that I would not have learned otherwise and, and not just learning what the perfunction was. Right. But knowing what my style was like, knowing like, I actually don't like to talk in the morning. So all of my meetings and my Zooms are post 10 o'clock. Otherwise, you're going to get a series of indiscernible grunts. But I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know that until I had that experience. Right? So there were so many things that happened that made me be like, oh, I can do this. Now, professionally, that's different because a lot of us do things you know, in our room and our sketch pads and our heads on social media, whatever, but we're not getting paid for them. And so you don't know whether or not it would work as a company. Everybody has a company. Everybody has a lemonade stand. Everybody has a a newspaper route or what have you, right? But it isn't until you actually are in a position where everyone has to listen to you and you respond knowing that your shared success, either client, artist, collaborator, whatever, is going to impact your legacy. And then they return to you to pay you for it. That's when you realize, oh, this thing will work. And that was, that was it for me. I, you know, I would love to say, hey, I was like, this thing's definitely going to work. I have to do it. I have to start this company. So there were a lot of things that I was already comfortable doing um, that I was really excited about that I began to be rewarded and resourced for. And I said, oh, you know what? That's it.
0: I love it. So it sounds like it kind of just flowed to you over time in an organic way. Like you were already doing it. And then you were like, hold on, let's make this an actual thing.
1: Yeah, totally. I, I have this phrase that I use. It's um, even if you weren't watching, I'd be doing this anyway. Mm. And it is even if you weren't watching, I'd be doing this anyway. Now, if you're a chef, it's even if you weren't eating, I'd be cooking this anyway. If you were, you know, you can kind of change it and right. make it whatever you needed to be. But to, your, to your, your point, Katrina, like, yeah, things were already flowing. These were things that I was confident that I was supposed to be providing and contributing and creating anyway. And so I was going to find the means to do so right? I was going to find a way to do it. Did I know that it was going to work to help me support my family? Did I know it was going to work to help me support other artists? No, I didn't necessarily know that, but I knew inherently that I needed to continue along this path for my sanity, uh, for my peace, for my happiness. And so there was a flow to it that I think does come with when you are doing the thing to which you were called to be doing. I think there is a flow and a peace that comes with that. And Of course, there's resistance. Of course, there's some obstacles and impediments. That's that's uh, natural, right? But there is a peace and a flow to how you feel when you're doing it that makes you say, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And that's the thing you hold on to on the days when it's hard as hell. You and hold on to the it. you know yourself, yep. it, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. For, the, for the people that don't know that are listening in, can you tell everyone about listen to me?
1: Yeah, sure. So Listen to Me is a full-service production company, and one of the things that we're most excited about is our ability to to close the gap between the idea and the execution, right? And so as an entrepreneurial entertainer and a performing artist myself, what I'm able to do is collaborate and create with um, artists, clients, even larger production companies and brands, and take the thing that they think would be so cool and tell them, Mm, let's tweak that or the thing that would be so easy and tell them "Mm, we need another truck or tell them the thing that would fit so well in this square peg and remind them that it's a round hole, but we can make the square peg bigger. So rather than crushing the idea that, that so many, you know, logistics oriented production companies have as an artist, I'm able to sit with you from the inception from the nation point and say, look, here's the best way for us to make this thing happen. Um, As a producer, as a DJ, as a host, um, as a songwriter, as a screenwriter, there are things that I can bring into the conversation, partners I can bring into the conversation early enough for you to expand your dream as opposed to trying to diminish it. So the biggest thing that we like to do is really make the transition from that crazy idea you have into the crazy response that your audience or your consumers or your clients ultimately deserve.
0: I love this. You are just bringing bringing dreams to life
1: on a daily. (laughs) They're my dreams also, you know. Right. Yeah. So the opportunity to collaborate and and decidedly so, right, to be um, particular about who and what I collaborate on, you know, is a dream come true. And I get a chance to actually see so many different sides of the industry because there are so many different dreams to help make come true.
0: I love this. And you were doing everything, like you said, from the lights to cueing the dancers to the, the audio, the visual, all of that. So you wear many hats within, you know, your one company.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, one of the things I really loved doing was when we were touring and this is like our third time around the world at the time. And I'm touring with Jane, Janelle Monet. And we get to a place where there's a, a shorthand where I recognize that, you know, at certain points in the show, she can only really speak with me because there's just so much going on. And I recognize that to be the same for so many different departments. And even though we were traveling to foreign countries, as an MC, I wanted to connect with audiences. So I would get there early enough to actually learn a phrase or two in the native tongue so that that connectivity could be there. Because what I recognize is that in speaking so many different languages and playing so many different roles, um, the shorthand can get lost. And so I've been very precious along this journey. About despite wearing so many hats, I don't wear hats that don't fit my head, and I also don't I wear. Hats I love that. I don't. Yeah, you know? I love you don't that. Put on hat just because it looks good, that might not be your hat. And even if it does fit your head, it might not to be might not need to be on your head at the same time as another hat. You know, so that that allows me to bring in. Um, subcontractors. That allows me to bring in friends and partners. You know, I I can edit, but I don't need to be editing on this project. I need to be sitting with the client and getting their language around what the edit should be so that the ability that I have to edit can be then translated as a language to an editor who will do that. So I do Mm -hmm. wear a lot of hats, but I've grown as the company has grown and our our responsibilities have grown and our client base has grown, grown. I've learned to take on the kind of roles that not only that I enjoy, but that I'm most uniquely positioned to perform in that particular project.
0: I love that. And and yeah. you have kind of touched on, you know, Um, giving the work right to the right person within your team that should be doing it. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs sometimes kind of get scared with the idea of like giving up some control because it's their baby. It's their, you know, their company, their Mm -hmm. prize, where, you know, you speak very, you spoke about it about how like, you know, maybe this person may be in the better position to do this. And I can be, you know, more useful in this area, which I think a lot of entrepreneurs sometimes get scared of that idea of just kind of allocating the work of where it needs to go, you know?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I really love that you brought that up because being an entrepreneur is extremely difficult, right? And one of the things that we have to combat is that many times because we're not working for somebody else, uh, many people think that we're entrepreneurial in our efforts because we don't want to be confined or we don't want to report to somebody. We don't understand the structure, right? No, entrepreneurs are extremely hard workers, so much so that we often have to convince ourselves to bring other people into our project or our baby because we're used to managing it, right? And then even when we do do that, and I say we, it doesn't count for everybody, but when many of us do bring people in, we still have that structure and that orientation from that thing that we got out of that Oftentimes, we want to put on our our new um, uh, employees or our new partners. And so we have to figure out how to allow it to still be our baby, trust it to somebody else, entrust it to somebody else, and also give them the grace that we wanted when we began this entrepreneurship journey. We want to make enough money and have enough projects and enough resources. And by resources, I mean, coffee machines, pens, and parking spaces, money, all of that,
0: <laughs> right. so, that
1: so that you want to be here working on this project. So you don't also have to work at J. Crew or also have to bus tables. We want you right. to do that. But we don't want you to lose that fire that we hope is contagious and incendiary in terms of how we're actually all navigating the entrepreneurial space. Yes, we have to have structure. Yes, we have to have revenue goals, sure. But we still want to have that fire that that is typically attributed to to a passionate entrepreneurial
0: endeavor. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, being passionate, passionate about your craft is, is huge in any you know, career journey. Absolutely. Certainly.
2: And you being able to bring that out of other people, you know, like you said, like you delegating and knowing when the right person is right for that job there's a level of confidence that you're giving to that person as well. Like, Oh, he thinks I'd be good at this. I know I'd be good at this. Now let me prove that I'm good at this. You know? So you're also empowering other people, which is a beautiful thing in in the process of your own journey.
1: And it's necessary. You know, as I told you, I started off and I went through uh, the broad strokes of my career trajectory, but nowhere in there was there training for stage management ever. But I was in trust. Somebody said to me, Hey, I think you can do this. And granted we were operating as a lot of like, you know collaborative entrepreneurs are um like um like a fast food restaurant right like you come in and you're responsible for fries but the burgers are burning you're gonna act like you don't right. know how to flip burgers like go flip yeah. the burgers and also <laughs> not- the, trash is, the trash is running over and it's right. snowing we need somebody to shovel the drive in like so you do get an opportunity through empowerment but it's also very much a thrown to the fire kind of kind of thing um and i think that that I still want to trust individuals that I work with. I still want to give them the freedom to add more seasoning to that thing we're cooking together. But again, because it is my baby, there are things that because of my abilities in certain areas, I'm, I'm going to look. I'm going to ask for certain deliverables. I'm going to ask for right. certain points. You're going
2: to ask for a sample. Can I, can I take a look?
1: I got it. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> trust you but it might taste different for me. Let me, let me see. Okay. All right. Great. Great. A little
2: more garlic, a little more seasoning.
0: Thanks.
1: A little more. you did great though. you (laughs) did (laughs) great.
2: I
0: love that. I mean, Sarah, I I thank you for bringing up empowerment. Um, George, I'm not sure if you know, but an aspect of FedWork that we like to really capitalize on is feed empowerment daily. And it sounds like you're doing that all the time, you know, within your own respective community, within your business. Um, How do you, you know, keep the inspiration going for yourself? And who would you say inspires you?
1: Yeah, um, keeping the inspiration uh, going is extremely important. You know, you can't pour from what you don't have. Um, And I think it's also important, you know, much like we learn in the the airplane safety videos, you have to put your own mask first before you can help anybody else, right? So you have to find inspiration before you can inspire somebody. I am fortunate. That I am married to and in love with and uh, obsessed with <laughs> <laughs> one of my key inspirations, uh, my wife, Jovi, and Zane. Um, and, you know, it's funny, there was this phrase that hung over my, my crib when I was growing up. It was crocheted by Jackie George, our next door neighbor. Rest in peace, uh, Miss George. And it said, I am because of my parents' love. And it sat over my crib. And I just always remember that phrase, even when I didn't know what it meant. It now sits over the crib of jovian and my daughters uh, and so i understand now what that means like she is literally the embodiment of all of our efforts she's an entrepreneur as well of all of our love we are passionate about the way we love each other of our friendship of our traditions of our games and so whether it's family fun day which occurs on fridays um, where the two of us might, you know, end up getting Georgie the same gift because we just <laughs> we noticed that she had a predilection for something and we just did it or we make homemade pizzas or we watch a movie, you know, living is so much important is so important to communicating verisimilitude to actually making sure people feel that connectivity to make sure that people feel life in your work, you got to live. And so I'm constantly inspired by this new 20-month-old life that we're responsible for and the life that I'm building with my wife, which is just a wonderful thing that this company, as young as it is, was a part of our relationship. You know, you want to build something with somebody. You don't want to have everything, you know, before they get there. And (laughs) you know what I mean? So my inspiration is that we are building together and this family is growing together. And I'm just like... I'm overwhelmed by, by the blessing of having that as a live in inspiration every single day.
0: Oh, I love that. You are so blessed. <laughs> I wonderful. know.
1: It's just, um, I mean, it's just amazing. Her name is Georgie and she's named after myself and Jovi and spelled with a J and uh, just the three of us, we are just, we're buddies.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's so cute. I love that <laughs> name. So yeah. cute. Awesome. I love that. Um, And I think it's really important that you mentioned about, you know, actually living and and building, right, with the people of your community, whether it's your own personal community, which is your family. But then I'm sure you've also built, you know, an even bigger community with Listen to Me, whether, you know, it's do different shows, different clients and all of that. Um, What does your community mean to you?
2: Hmm.
1: So I've mentioned maybe once or twice that I am an only child. Um,
2: <laughs> Wait, <laughs> you're an only child? I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know that.
1: Did I not? Let me put no. it in the chat. I'm going to put <laughs> it in the
2: chat. Okay, and perfect. Then, um,
1: and it's funny because I, 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 part of Listen to Me's uh, efforts um, from a, a haberdashery stuff space has been the Only Child Olympics, right? And the reason why I, was in, I thought it important to identify that particular community is because, and I won't mention the country, but, you know, 96 Olympics, there was a country that sent one person. And I remember watching it with family and friends and everybody thought it was so funny, almost like disparaging them. And I thought to myself, man, that entire country, that whole community is behind this person. Like how much more like secure do you feel? <laughs> like you have yeah. immediate impact. And as I got older, I recognized and went away to school that there was, you know, some pejorative kind of like thoughts around only children and being selfish and they don't have a sense of community and they're blah, blah, you know, that kind of thing. And I wanted to kind of show the opposite, right? I wanted to show that they're actually responsible for larger groups in ways that, you know, if they're missing from the holidays, if I'm missing, I grew up with three three people in my house. If I'm missing from Christmas or or Thanksgiving, that's 33% of the household that's missing. (laughs) It's a big deal. And so finding those individuals who were a part of larger communities and putting them together really had me start thinking about tribe and about you know siblinghood, even if they're not um, you know blood related, and whether or not the individuals that you have an opportunity to represent um, feel inspired by your representation, but also feel like they can communicate to you to have their stories told and listen to me tell stories. We tell stories that otherwise would not be able to be told by artists who don't have the resources or don't believe their idea can work. And they become a, a part of a shared legacy. And so that community itself allows me to kind of reflect their stories. And so I feel responsible for the stories that I help tell. And I don't care if they're on you know, a segment on the Grammys or if it's a, you know, an interstitial for, for BET or if it's on YouTube or wherever it, it lies somebody's going to hear that story and they're going to have a sense of self that is going to help them better represent their community. Somebody's going to hear that story and they're going to have entree into a community that they thought they would never ever get a chance to learn anything about. So for me, the opportunity to tell the stories of the various communities for which I'm involved, whether that's my church, whether that's my line brothers, whether that's the never stop, never settle society, whether that's, you know, whomever, I represent so many different pockets and by virtue of that, I'm able to tell just stories that I believe are really important. And that's just such an honor and such a privilege for somebody who many thought came out of a small community, right? Now my community is Great. large and I'm, I'm grateful for it.
0: Yeah. I like love that planning, outlook. Yes. And you're planting the seeds and you're just seeing the branches keep growing and growing and growing. Like you said, like all it kind of, watching your legacy unfold you know in front of your own eyes
1: absolutely and being responsible for it right but knowing that you are giving it your best like you are like you said planting seeds you are watering and where that grows you have to allow it to do so autonomously but appreciate it as it as it grows
2: and you know what's interesting is i'm not an only child i have a brother But my cousin, who we were kind of raised um, as if she was my sister, was an only child. And I was always so jealous growing up of her being an only (laughs) child. Because I'm like, you get all the attention. You get all the extra presents at Christmas. I have to split mine with my brother. Like, I have this kid who's just bothering me all the time. You don't have that. Um, But I had never looked at it from the perspective that you just mentioned. And I don't think many people do. And I feel like if they did, there would be an entirely different outlook on being an only child i think it's it's amazing that you were able to find like find that and harness that and also turn that into something amazing like I, i'm oh, just I th- that's really amazing that you did that That means a lot thank you very much of course of course i'm just that's so cool <laughs>
0: <laughs> and with your branches you know as they yeah. keep expanding and your community keeps getting bigger where do you see listen to me in the next year
1: I definitely see us spending more time uh, on film. Um, there are a number of projects that are commissioned right now um, that speak to communities that are ethnically minoritized or otherwise disenfranchised stories that I know need to be told. Um, but in the past year, we've done a couple of things that were really uh, important, um, I believe, to those that, that were looking for alternate ways to be entertained during what was just a really hard time for so many people, a very long, hard time. And so we're looking to take some of those communities that we engage and and maintain them, you know, in the digital space, particularly um, things are so fleeting, you know, things are ephemeral and, and there aren't that many series and people become reliant and used to things and then they they're gone. Mm-hmm. We did a series called Diaper Dads um, and we did about 15 episodes of a podcast for, called Diaper Dads. And I recognized that there were a lot of dads that weren't necessarily comfortable with asking the questions um, or, or, or admitting they didn't have the answers, um, and and trying to figure out what worked best for for us, and so I I think that that community, along with the only child Olympics community, will actually deserve a lot of listen to me's attention in the upcoming year. Um, but beyond that, you know, to the film uh, projects I mentioned before, we're directing a couple of branded content series, which we're really excited about. Um, cool. <laughs> yeah, we're also uh, beginning to to cast table reads. Um, for a screenplay experience that we're extremely excited about. Um, and then we're working alongside the On Purpose Movement to uh, produce um, some content that's going to be available for people in a way that they can digest it snackably the way that they want to and not feel like they have to you know, be a part of a program per se. Um, so really just spending a lot of time taking some of the things that we've already done, uh, the things that we will be doing even if you weren't watching, and making sure that they look good when you do watch them. So that's that's probably the next year of of, of production uh, here at the house.
0: Awesome, amazing. And can we can we just brag for a little second about yourself? You mentioned like Grammys, BT, table reads, <laughs> like very casually we, mentioned too. Right, come on, actually brushing over it. Like, can we just talk about our list? A few things that Listen to me has been a part of.
1: Yeah, we've been a, lot, a part of a lot of cool things. I think, you know, entrepreneurs, we have to, we've got to give ourselves the flowers. Yeah. Not just for ourselves to remind us that we did it during the days, as I said, when it's hard as hell, but also okay. so that, you know, those who would want to be in business with us have a reference. That's important. You know, when you don't have a 100 year old company or 100 employees for your one year old company, there aren't that many ways in which you can, you know, certify. Um, that your work is your work. And particularly for a company like mine, where we do something different every time. You might see something we've done before and say, hi, hey, I want that. And I'll say, cool, but that hat doesn't fit your head. Right. Um, so what I've been um, blessed to be a part of um, from the record label side um, was doing some of the early BTS videos for the Wonderland Art Society and Wonderland Records, which was Jadena, Janelle Monet, Roman John Arthur, Deep Cotton, those artists who eventually would go on to tour the world. And I had the ability to produce Grammy segments and BET segments, right? Opening, um, you know, dry hits, uh, cold open, excuse me, um, for the BET awards. You know, these are things that, that I didn't anticipate I would be able to do until I was in the room and had the confidence of those artists who didn't necessarily need my reference because they, they felt my energy and we had worked together. And so right. that took me to the History Channel. That took me to Reddit. That took me to other places because I then was able to brag on those things. And I've made sure, you know, that I always sharpen those pencils that are in my pencil case or those tools. You know, they say that you're, you know, a jack of all trades and master of none. Well, is if you keep practicing and going back to those things that you've done. You might need to watch that Grammys video again one more time. You might need to watch some of the unedited footage that you didn't put up, you know, before so mm-hmm. that you can remember, like, man, I was really good <laughs> because you need that, you know. Um, and, and right now we're at a place where we're working with a number of brands um, that were just really excited, trusted what we added to the brands that they recognized we had worked with, even if it was in a larger group before, you know, and so right. that's just, been, it's been incredible.
0: That's amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is so amazing. I think it's also important you you touched on it about like going back. And being like, wait, hold on, that, that was really good. Or like, we did a really good job. Because I think as entrepreneurs, um, I've experienced this myself, is that, you know, we get so caught up in the next thing, you know, the next job, the next deadline, whatever it is, that sometimes, like you said, it's okay to stop for a moment, give yourself some flowers, look at your progression, and then, you know, continue on.
1: Well, the thing is, you know, we are on the timeline that um, a lot of um, other gainfully employed people are. Right. So we have to look at the next thing. You know, like we have to sometimes answer an email on vacation because when we get back, you know, the thing is happening already. Um, I would advise that you protect your peace. So maybe I'll go back and etch a sketch and scribble that. We don't have to answer an email on vacation, but we do have office hours that are, you know, unusual. Right. And so that's why we're always looking at the next thing because we are the next thing. Nobody's going to just throw something on our desk until we get to a certain point of being recognized as, you know, recurring on somebody's, you know, line item, (laughs) but you know what I mean? Like we have to go after the next thing. And so it's, it's difficult to, to both find time to give yourself the flowers and keeping, keep moving forward. But, but the beauty of being an entrepreneur is you actually dictate your schedule, you know? And so you can find time, you can make time to do it.
2: You can actually pencil in the time, like give yourself flowers
1: today.
2: Don't forget to go back to look at past projects and, and enjoy them for a minute. Because that's another Sarah thing too. Because
1: inviting Sarah Grace to a Zoom.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, the other thing too is, especially with the creative side of things, you know, you're you're so invested in the project and the edit and everything on it that once it's released, it's almost like a saw moment. You're like, okay, it's like my part of it is done. But going back to look at what you've done, I know we do that sometimes with the old episodes. We re-listen to them. And we're like, wow, that was really good. Like. You know, because once it's out and it's, you know, you're not necessarily thinking about it as much because what's next, right? What's coming next? What's up next to, to go back, reflect. And, and like you said, when it comes to creative things, like, yeah, let's look at it again you know, let me, let me sharpen that pencil or, or what was that topic Like for us, we can look back at a topic and be like, well, let's let's have a 2.0 on that conversation. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, let's revisit that again. You know, even as you change, you grow, you might see things, Oh, maybe I would have done this edit differently. I'll remember that for the next time that something like that crosses my table. So <laughs>
1: Yeah. And I think a lot of times, you know, we've, we've had our, our, our finger in another hole that we've been plugging. So as soon as we get done with that, we need to go move to something else. But something I was telling, I was telling my homegirl, Naima, this like a couple of weeks ago, because of how the turnover rate works. Right. Um, whether that's, you know, subscribers, clients, so followers, whatever. You can sometimes take the, that artwork that you did and just put it in a different frame on a different wall. Right. So you can go back to that podcast episode you had before, and maybe it was a 45 minute you know, episode, but like you can grab 15 seconds of that and slap it in your stories. Right. right? Because I'll right, right. swipe up on that, John. And the next thing you know, people have gone all the way back and now they're catching back up more informed because you did something that easy. So, yes, go back and, and get your flowers. give yourself your flowers but take that as an opportunity to kind of organize some stuff a little bit too like remember where the flowers were planted remember how that soil worked over there and then repurpose it you know cut a piece of it off and stick it in your head and take a picture you know like use a piece of that thing you did to like to 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 forward what you're doing now you deserve that it's yours you did it
0: absolutely yes nothing wrong with recycling no using content you know, of, of hard work that you, you know, you've done. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you have your hands full, you know, obviously with all the things that you're doing, all the hats that you're wearing. So along with all the hats and, and running, you know, listen to me, how did you hear about the Hennessy Never Stop, Never Settle Society?
1: Yeah. Um, finding out about this kind of stuff as an entrepreneur is sometimes hard. Um, yeah. And it's super important. Um And I'm glad you asked that because I want to give um, the Never Stop, Never Settle Society uh, its flowers. Yeah. I really want to make sure that it's recognized that they did the due diligence to get this information out. You know, Um, in the acting world, we talk about the audition being a part of the job. And sometimes we get upset with the audition because we'd rather be doing the work or writing the piece or acting the thing or editing the thing. But you have to audition to get there. And so Mm -hmm. you have to find time to do it. Even if you find a same day audition, you got to write everything out and take your notes, write your thoughts and record yourself tape. Right. But you have to do that because it actually is part of the job in the same way finding societies like this, finding resources like this, getting a grant like this, getting exposure to offices in New York City like this, (laughs) you know, getting connected with the gathering spot like this. That's a part of what entrepreneurs need. And you don't always have the time to get away from making the widgets and stapling the papers and responding to the clients to, to go on the audition. If, if you will, right. To find where I can actually tell somebody what I'm doing is really good and I can do it if you just help me get over the hump, but I don't have time to talk to you about it because I'm trying to get over the hump. <laughs> ah, right? Right. But then, right. But then something like this comes along and you hear about it and you're not going to pay attention the first time because your thumbs are opposable and they have a mind of their own. But then, you know, there's an icon attached to it that you kind of might pay more attention to. And then it shows up in another friend's feed and within the community, there are individuals who understand that there's enough like air in the sky for all the birds to fly. And they're not precious about it. They want you to know about it, right? There's enough water in the sea for all the fish to swim. Right. And so I just appreciated just how diligently and how genuinely and carefully and how persistently This information was made available to the point where, admittedly, it took me like the second or third time to be like, okay, 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 you know. Um, And so it was one of those type of things where, you know, it it just, they presented it the right way and made it available in a way that so many grants are are not often made available. And it was just wonderful to to have it kind of just walk into my feed like that. I love that makes me.
0: Amazing. And congratulations. I mean, with while you're getting over the hump, you know, while you're doing all, all the things in the submission submission process, you were selected to be, you know, one of the members of the Never Stop, Never Settle Society. Like, how does that feel? Like, what was the moment, you know, when you found out, like, what was that like for you?
1: Yeah, I um actually uh, was, was working alongside uh, Nisha, my, my chief of staff, and um we were just, you know, going through emails and it and it popped up. And I think it's one of those kinds of things where the the the, uh, the congratulations, right? When you get a congratulations, you just know it's something. You can tell the difference. It's not, you know, you didn't win the lottery or somebody's telling you you have a boathouse in Nairobi or something crazy like that. You can just, you can you, know, you can feel the difference, right? So when it popped up, you know, you're immediately trying to skim to see like, what is it? Like, okay, well, am I one of the winners? Well, okay, did I did I get all fifty? Or like, you know, did I? <laughs> do i have the access to the media like you know those kinds of things right and you're going through the bullet points; they're all there and you're like i really feel seen yes Yes. i really feel seen because i know i've already proven what i want to do i already proved what it is that i'm capable of with this help but in a in in response to you seeing it and believing it and ingesting it because you have to do that because you know the application was Aggressive and robust. <laughs> a part of that <laughs> means they're not that playing any play
0: games. games.
1: Yeah, like, no games were played. Yes. yes. there was, was, was a lot of those. But, <laughs> um, but once you feel recognized and seen there, you feel this good kind of responsibility where you're like, yo, y'all, I'm about to really, really use this. Like you guys, I know I know you picked me and everything like that. So good on you, but like you have no idea who you picked. <laughs> Like <laughs> okay, like, you probably do, it also, but I'm about to go in. You know, I love it. What entrepreneurs need like we need an op- we need the resource, just the opportunity to see what would happen. And as I said at the top, right? If I was able to to take my best shot, like what would happen mm-hmm. if I could really and to use it in a way that you need to, because only you know best what you need to do in order to make that dream come true. And to be fueled like that and resourced like that and seen is just it's just really remarkable. It really is.
0: I love this for you, because being seen in any capacity is such a powerful thing, regardless of how big or small, whether it comes with, you know, in in a large form of of a grant and all these things or if it just comes, you know, in a small package, like a comment, um, I know the people didn't hear this earlier. We weren't recording yet. But when you first came on, um, you said something as small as like, you know, hey, guys, I've, I've been listening to your podcast and you guys have very inviting conversation. Like, I don't know That's if you're so <laughs> like, oh, like, you know, we felt seen like, OK, yeah. thank you. So just being able to say that, you know, as an entrepreneur, like, OK, like Hennessy sees me and I felt seen. I think it's just so amazing and and again I get goosebumps when when I hear that because you know as an entrepreneur like I said it, it doesn't matter how big or small like being seen in in this time and age is so important.
1: Absolutely and and, and you know this this brand ain't nothing to sniff at, you know. I mean That's <laughs> what I was going to
0: say. Yeah, it's like-
1: no one of the, I saw something recently. Uh, I think it was on Twitter, and they were talking about okay. Follow me here. A reality show where parents have to explain what their millennial children do for a living, and I cracked up right because you can <laughs> you can actually change that with entrepreneur. Like anybody having to explain, like what so what exactly does your like how does this work? So what do you so who wakes you up to do this? Well, how, you know all those questions that come along with it. Yeah, and it's it's just funny how <laughs> how having to explain that. And having to justify the things that you have to do to, to, to get through your, your business day can be like a real impediment. You, know, you can get to the place where you're really like, okay, I don't, I don't really know how to, to explain that. And I thought about the idea of you know, uh, this sort of reality, right? Where you get a chance to tell family members who have been rooting for you, but don't all the way understand because of the diversity of projects you work on, right? or your uncle who worked for the post office for 45 years god bless him like my dad worked for the post office like you know for sure but like having to be able to say and hennessy also thought that i was doing the right thing and going along the right way and they gave me this i mean it actually becomes a part of the brand you met you know it becomes a part of your resume in a way that's just so easy and it just it's a great conversation starter it's a great network to be a part of it's just fabulous it's wonderful
2: you should make a show about that, that what you were just talking about, about parents and explaining what jobs are, because <laughs> my parents still, this is, you know, she just, for me, I just moved back home, right? So I'm like re being introduced to all these people from our past and all that. And they're like, yeah. Um, so I kind of told them what you did. I'm like, oh, oh, you do. What, what did you say? And she's like, well, you know, like, you're really busy. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that, you're that always was- working. Yeah, i are just thinking, can't really get a hold of you. And I'm like, that's yeah. not okay. Let let's start from the beginning, you know, and, and then it's that awkward conversation. Um, so yeah, I I expect to see that from you soon. Yeah.
1: This might be the ultimate sequence of the show. We might just take those 15 <laughs> seconds and put it in a new frame
2: on a new <laughs> yeah. wall.
0: Yeah. There you go. With a there swipe up and call it a day.
2: With a swipe up and call it a day.
0: Great. <laughs> I love this. Uh, well, I'm sure, as you know, you know, being aware with um, Hennessy's mantra, you know, with a never stop, never settle society, Hennessy's mantra is never stop, never settle. What does that mean to you, George?
1: <sighs> yeah, I think that it's a beautiful mantra. Um, and one of the reasons why I enjoy it so much is I think That you can actually once you get to a certain peak career-wise, or we can even just say, you know, topographically, geographically, you get to a certain you know point in the mountain, you think about how long it took for you to get to that mountain, the resources you needed, and what was going to happen when you got there. Once I get to the top of this mountain, everything will be great. I don't have to worry about anything else back there. That might be true, but there's another mountain, right? (laughs) And that shouldn't feel, you know, insurmountable or defeating it should feel like, well, I got up the last mountain. I know I can get up the next mountain, right? Because I have that evidence and that experience. And it also gives you an opportunity to recognize new goals. You know, you you actually grow when you're in larger environments. And so the idea of never stopping and never settling, I don't think that it is as on the nose as one would think, right? Where like, you're not supposed to to rest and recuperate and look at your flowers and, you know, listen to old podcasts, et cetera, right? But it does mean that you take those pieces And you use them as fuel to continue to expand your goals, right? To raise the ceiling, to to don't stop, get it, get it, you know? And I think that kind of positive locomotive energy is somewhat like intoxicating, you know? Mm -hmm. No pun intended, but like it kind of brings you along in a way that is a really positive, you know, effect. It's a positive kind of pressure. And so it wouldn't mean as much if it wasn't for the fact that Hennessy was also adding resources into that, you know, like saying, never, don't stop, don't settle, never stop, never settle. That doesn't mean as much if you're not helping. (laughs) Right. And so I think that, you know, the more that you dig into the meaning and start to see the people, the entrepreneurs that are impacted by it, you also recognize that they're literally helping (coughs) along the way. So I think that they're sharing in that. It's more like, you know, we, we, we're not going to stop. We are not going to settle, as opposed to it just being a mandate or an edict or you know a suggestion. And it's it's really a, a practice that they are practicing as well, and I think it's it's beautiful. I think it's honest, and I think it's necessary. One
0: hundred percent. I love that. I love, I love that. that. <laughs> I think that, that was like, it. you know that you mentioned you know w- within the mantra, not only just saying the mantra right or you know, claiming it, but also practicing it and being an example of it is, is very important. So I love that you just pointed that out. Thank you. Thank
2: yeah. you. Um, talking, you know, going back to, to the idea of the mountain and the next mountain and, and obviously the obstacles that happened along the way, along that journey. Um, what do you feel like, you know, whether it was obstacles that you faced or other op- entrepreneurs that you have worked with, you um, you know, what are those types of obstacles that entrepreneurs face, you know, as they're getting their businesses established? Like, what, what was that like for you?
1: I mean, I can be specific, you know, I'm a full yeah. service
2: production. Yeah, let's talk.
1: And I have run into jobs that after submitting RFP and putting together a budget for a job, um, being awarded the job, and then finding out that the company has a, a net 60 or net 90 or something absurd like that, where they can't even make a deposit. Now, these are, you know, sometimes multi-hundred, they're, they're, they're budgets. And I, I don't, I'm not sitting around with, you know, at the average entrepreneur that's starting their business is not sitting around with um, that kind of, you know,
2: liquidation.
1: Disso- yeah. <laughs> Disposable income, it's just yeah. not there, right? And so you end up losing a job that you, that you could crush, Because of the timing associated with it, or perhaps because um, departmentally, you're not aligned with the the structures that they're used to, and they're used to so-and-so from the art department asking so-and-so for the, the, the schematic, and then you don't get it, and you're working along assumptions and ideas and Zooms and meetings and things like that, where you don't get the normal flow of paperwork that perhaps a larger established company would. That mm-hmm. also could, ha- could impede your ability or hinder your ability to perform, you know, at a high level. And so, and these are specific examples from when I first began, right? Mm-hmm. But I think overall they fall underneath the umbrella where there isn't always the equitable kind of engagement because that's really what that means, right? It's not just providing the opportunity at all, (laughs) you know, it's making sure that these smaller companies, these particularly the minority owned ones can have an opportunity in the same way that so-called other assumed deserving companies would. And I think that sometimes that becomes a real hurdle for, for small business owners and, and not being able to take things because they can't front the money or they can't you know or they can't wait for for you to actually you know send a deposit. Right. Um so even moments like this should an entrepreneur choose to use this as a launch pad, you know, then this money becomes a big big deal. Oh, you yeah. know, for to take a shot where normally they wouldn't be able to and that gives them the confidence that they're going into it with 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 their own bag as as we say, right? and they're not playing around with someone else's money and hoping, Oh my God, I hope I get this right. Cause my whole business is dependent upon this. And if I don't get this. Then I got it. You know, my credit cards, blah, 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 you know, those kinds <laughs> yeah. of things. Yeah. Like those are real problems. Yeah, right? Sure right. Are. Right? Absolutely. So I think that's just a major, a major, you know, thing that, 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 that entrepreneurs are are able to sort of sidestep when resources like this become available.
2: For sure. And, you know, going through those types of, of hurdles and, and obstacles, like, what then makes your journey through entrepreneurship, like what makes that the most satisfying then? Like, is it getting over those hurdles or or what for you is, is the most satisfying part on that?
1: A little bit, you know, I told you, I, I am an only child Olympian. So I'd be mm-hmm. like, like to break records over hurdles. Um I think the most satisfying piece is not so much about like being contrary to, you know, non-entrepreneurial efforts and being like, I could do this on my own and, you know, beating my chest. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't think it's a stubbornness, you know, or anything negative like that. I think it is truly that I understand that I am called to provide something that would not be there if I didn't make it. And that's a, a really awesome thing to have a responsibility fulfilled to act, to, sure. to do that you're supposed to do. That drives me every step of the way. Right that when I see a project in my mind that I think could have an impact, that I can do it, that I can make it, um, that I can collaborate to have it created. Um, That drives me. It also drives me um, because I know that there are so many people coming up behind me who in the same way that traditional employment was sort of passed down because they saw that as the model, will now be able to see my model and in as much as the generation above me might not be able to explain what it is i'm doing the generation below <laughs> not only knows exactly what i'm doing but probably knows how to do it faster quicker more efficiently and way cooler but they just needed to see me doing it and right. so i'm driven by the fact that when i get off of this i have a meeting with a storyboard artist um and I have one more meeting with the casting director. And then I'm going right across from our building to go and hang out with my daughter. And I did, did so all morning as well because I was able to set my own hours. I right. know she'll understand that somehow. She'll know that a part of the choice that Papa made to do the thing he does that keeps him up at night and made him lose his hair allows him to also jump in the waiting pool with me as soon as he gets right. up his- So it's a combination of doing the thing that I know I'm called to do that wouldn't happen if I wasn't there right? Um, doing the thing that I know will inspire generations behind me to do something way cooler and way more important than even what I'm doing right now. Oh, I love
2: that. I
0: know so many gems, George.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I know. I feel like I'm like still processing everything because there's some, we've just learned so much, you know, I I feel like it's um, it's, but like an honor to be talking to you and oh, hearing your, you. Know, not everyone has to share what they've learned on their way. You know, I think, you know, I think that's, that's amazing. Yeah, um,
1: it's part of the reason why I've been blessed with the story so I can tell it.
2: Yeah. Um, okay. So something else that obviously is, you know, something we, we definitely want to talk about um, would be adversity. Um, how have you faced this on the journey and how have you overcome that, you know, in, in navigating through your, your entrepreneurship?
1: I mean, there's a great deal of of uh, of doubt, I think, associated during the hard points of entrepreneurship. Um, mm-hmm. You have friends that at my stage professionally um, have finished residency, have passed the bar, um, have done those kinds of things that the time that they've spent doing it is understood broadly. And so there's no question about it. Right. But you do face a lot of people asking, you know, well, well, when you when are you going to do this thing or when is this going to be a thing because they associate the kind of success that they assumed you would have when they thought you were on a path that they could quantify right. with something equally or more, you know, something in that same space over here not knowing that you actually had to like learn how to think back again in your other side of your brain and had to learn how to, you know, all those kinds of things, right? And so that's pretty significant when you are an individual humbly stated um, who folks had anticipated a a certain bar of success from, um, because then that kind of weighs on you. You start to, there are comparisons that happen, you know, and, and that's something difficult to kind of get past. If you don't have a strong inspirational community, a strong faith, and then belief that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Um, but specifically, you know, I can remember just being places that I just did not want to be along this journey, um, performing tasks that I thought I should not be performing because I was tired of not being able to do the thing that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to juggle both of those things, you know, back to the J. Crew dressing room, trying to literally book like playhouses in Dallas for my one man show, um, <laughs> like while I was folding chinos, right? Yeah. Like those things start to really weigh on you because you associate timelines and ages with, you know, benchmarks. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a tough period. You know, it was a really tough period. Fortunately um, I got to the place where friends that I had poured into before were able to pull me out of that space and pull me onto projects to remind me of flowers that I had planted. Um, and that's really how, how, how I got to where I am now, to be honest.
0: Yeah. And I love how you say like, you know, for entrepreneurs, it's not a one size fits all. Right. So it's not everyone's, you know, first five-year plan is going to look the same or you should be here at this time or whatnot. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs sometimes can get scared of that. Like, okay, in the first year, I'm not at this, this, and this. So maybe this isn't the route that I should go into when really like it's okay if your journey is not working out in the first year, but you do feel like you are in your calling and this is where you're supposed to be as an entrepreneur. It may just happen in five years or in two years or in 10 years, And that's okay.
1: Exactly. And even making the decision about where it should go, because there are some entrepreneurs who are best suited to handle 500 clients and don't Mm -hmm. necessarily need to scale. And there are some that see things from a more macro version. And so they got to get through that tough spot in order to be able to manage folks there. But being honest with yourself about where you fall on that spectrum is crucial. And a lot of times, because of outside influences, you might be pushed or pulled or or precluded from moving in a direction that you, that you should be, right? And so all in all, the idea of being somewhat alone as an entrepreneur, but also um, having to respond to so many different uh, opinions about your journey, that is its own level of adversity because those things bleed into you. You, know? you need to be constantly encouraged as an entrepreneur. You got to encourage yourself. You right, know, right, because you're okay. not gonna always get that from other places and as a person whose major love language is um words of affirmation
2: <laughs> okay. oh.
1: tough to admit but it's just the truth when you're hearing the opposite and you're in the middle of one of the toughest things that happens to dominate every aspect of your life
2: yeah
1: it's it's difficult it's difficult
2: Absolutely. So looking at that, what would you tell your younger self then? Would you say do not become an
1: entrepreneur or <laughs> would you say? <laughs> Post office, go to, go to UPS. <laughs> <laughs> There's this thing called the internet that's coming. You buy a whole bunch of domains. I know you don't know what a domain is, but go to the basement and get a dictionary and look up what domain is.
2: <laughs> right. Right.
1: Um, I would probably tell my younger self um, to do exactly what you're, you're doing. like, Don't feel weird about the fact that um, you're an entertainer, but it drains you, and everyone thinks you're an extrovert, but you're really an introvert. Don't feel weird about going to your room and staring at the crack in the wall until it begins to look like the Tigris or the Euphrates River. You'll need that one day. Don't feel weird about staying up after bedtime to read books. You'll need that one day. But what you should do right now, young George, (laughs) is you should try to get as organized as possible. And I know that's going to sound crazy, but rather than trying to build a tall apartment building, build a wide foundation, get folders, whether it's digital or actual, keep pictures in places, keep ideas in places, keep dreams that you've had in places, keep stuffed animals in places, whatever those things are, trying to, try to start figuring out what it means to, to organize and to figure out where to place content. Once you do that, then you'll recognize what content you do or don't not, do not need. That's the first thing I would tell myself. I'd also tell myself to celebrate every single milestone. Yes. Every single milestone. Because then you'll start to enjoy the journey. When you're mm-hmm. celebrating every milestone, the journey doesn't necessarily seem as long because, I mean, you're celebrating after everything. Okay. If I was walking from here to the door and I had a cupcake for every step, that's a, that's a great walk.
2: <laughs> that's a great day. <laughs> I'm walk back. Right.
1: I left something. <laughs> right. So do that, and then I think also um, learn what it means to be in a room and listen more than you talk. Those would be the three things I think I would tell myself.
2: Okay, gems, gems, gems. I'm catching now, the gems. <laughs> now one more little twist on that. So those sure. are the those yeah. So those are the the lessons that you would teach your younger self. What are three tips that you would leave an entrepreneur who's trying to follow in your footsteps? Would they be the same or would they be different?
1: Actually the organized thing would be absolutely the same. Okay. (laughs) Totally the same. I would probably, probably be more industry specific, right? So if you Mm -hmm. are a photographer start with the widest, broadest folder you can think of, it might be photos. And then the next folder be years and then the next folder, you know, whatever, like try to get to a place where you have a, 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 a shorthand with yourself so that when you need something, you know where it might be. Make it a priority after the shoot, after the meeting, to build in five minutes to write some notes, right? Um, To a writer, I would say something similar, but make it a priority when you wake up in the morning to not look at any social media, but like write down exactly what you can remember from your dream, even if it doesn't make sense. Those kinds of things, somewhere of recording and being organizing, would be like the first tip. Um, The second tip would be to ask the question, The first time, like the very first time you get an opportunity, don't be embarrassed. Don't think that you're supposed to know more. So you shouldn't act like you don't like you get a chance to be a rookie or a freshman or a new person one time. Use it. When you get on set, when you get to the office, when you get to the factory floor and you're with the headmeister, whoever you're with, ask the questions, be a rookie, be a neo, Ask the questions so that you're not at home later on saying, I should have asked that when it's too late because customer service has been closed for four hours and your thing is due at 9 a.m. And you could have just asked the person you were with but you were trying to be too cool.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and then the last thing would probably be something along the lines of take care of your body, um, develop really good habits, um, even if they're contrary to, to existing and communal circadian rhythms decide when sleeping works for you decide what you know what food um works for you eating for your blood type those kinds of things like really invest in your main resource because as an entrepreneur well, <laughs> i mean you know a yeah, city, it could, yeah. could, could tank the company you know and not that you don't because that happens right but, like, you are the main source of energy, of light, of communication, of, of you're the final signature. So you got to be healthy. Like, that's the bare minimum you have to be is healthy. And it's easier sometimes to be healthy yeah. when you maintain the practice as opposed to trying to fix, you know, something that, that's broken. Definitely so that probably those three things.
0: I think. Those are great tips. Yes, Perfect. I love that. And, and really quick, I want to kind of go off of your third tip. Because yes. you spoke about, you know, health and, you know, kind of like you know with you being you know the main person running the company and of the company that if you're not working nothing else is going to work so how is your work-life balance I mean I know you mentioned earlier that you're going to go see your daughter after you know your work day today so it sounds like you kind of have maybe some organization there in a routine in your work-life balance oh yeah
1: oh yeah I I, um I brunch right uh (laughs) Going to brunch on Saturday. And it's really the thing that I'm looking forward to. It's getting me through the week, um, despite the unusual circumstances um, that we're all facing right now. And I don't know when exactly this becomes available to viewers and listeners, but unfortunately, I imagine we'll be at least very familiar or maybe even still in these unfortunate circumstances. But despite those, um, we, we brunch, you know, or we set things to celebrate or, you know, we put events on the calendar to get excited about mm-hmm. uh, I was always one of the kids that was like, you know, dessert after dinner. Like that's, you know, that helps you get through your vegetables kind of thing. Right. And so I still do that very much. So Um, I look forward to spending time with my family. My family is really awesome. I don't know if I said that earlier or not.
0: I gather that. That I want to meet them now. I know.
1: Love my family. And it's a treat um, every time. And so they do keep me balanced because I'm not only working with them in mind, but I'm playing with them in mind, you know, and that kind of makes us collaborators in in a lot of different ways. Aside from that though, um, I enjoy, you know, a a good snifter. Um, (laughs) I I enjoy um, a good game of spades, um, watching sports. Of course, I'm really, really big on staying in contact um, with my community. So I'm I'm the person that is going to pop up on your FaceTime and you'll be like, wow. And we will have a real conversation. We do couples double dates. Sometimes we'll take a playlist and share that, or we might send recipes out and cook the same thing at the same, you know, stuff like that stuff that seems silly until you do it. And then it's like, like it's quick and easy and fun. So always fun, always finding um, some competitive way uh, to sort of like, you know,
0: stretch out That's the only child in you. That's That's the only child. That's I the didn't know I was fast
1: way. until I got to recess. I wasn't running against brothers and sisters. Like, <laughs> we're here, like, and it's a field. Let's see. I need to know.
2: Right, right. <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm, I mean, I'm, a, I'm, I like to play. And I like to have fun. Um, that's really what it is. And and I, I, I find ways to do that with anybody who is willing or perfect strangers.
0: Easy. <laughs> I think. I mean, it's important for entre- entrepreneurs to remember that that it can be fun. Right. You can make time for yourself for your family. For, you know, just things that really bring you joy outside of the work. Because I yeah. think sometimes entrepreneurs, we get so caught up in like, okay, work, work, work. I have to do this. I have to do this. It's not going to get done. Deadline, uh, deadline, okay. dead- <laughs> yeah. Deadline, deadline, deadline. That, like you said, it kind of all comes back to taking care of this. And that can also mean joy, balance, family, friends, health, all of that. Certainly. Not only can, but it should. Should. Yeah. Agreed. Should. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it should, but I also, you know, sometimes there is that narrative of like hustle, yeah. just keep hustling. But it's like it can, like you, you know, like we're all saying and should include yeah. the other side too. Sure. Yeah, sure. If you
2: want to put to action these three tips from our entrepreneur or gather more educational resources, visit Hennessy's Never Stop, Never Settle Society. org.
0: George, you are such a gem. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. You guys were, you
1: guys were awesome. Uh, this was really, really great. I felt like I was talking to old friends.
0: I love, New it. Friends. I love it. New friends. Absolutely. <laughs>
1: thank you for having me. I really appreciate the time to not only be inside of a podcast that I've been listening to and enjoying, um, but also to thank Hennessy and, and the Never Stop, Never Settle Society for providing not only this platform, but resources for, for future platforms. So I really appreciate it. Oh, of
0: course. Of course, thank you. Where can the people find you?
1: Oh, where can the people find me? Yes. 57th <laughs> and Diamonds. No. Um, <laughs> 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 um, you can find me at George 2.0 spelled all the way out. That's T W O P O I N T O H. Like 2. Oh. Uh, <laughs> okay. um uh, okay. or 2.0 spelled the same way on Instagram. Um yeah those are the places that I can be found. And and that's, that's the best way to contact me.
0: Perfect. Awesome. Well, congratulations again on being a part of the inaugural.
1: Great. It's really, really great. I can't wait to see what we do.
0: Thank you for joining us. And thank you guys for tuning in and we'll see you guys next week. See you next time. Bye. Thank
2: you for tuning into this episode of FedWork. We hope that you enjoyed it. Please make sure to like, comment and subscribe on all platforms. For any inquiries or sponsorship requests, please visit wearefedwork.com.